This week on How to Be 60, TV chef Phil Vickery, who at 61 is intent on shaking things up a bit. And you've got three times in your life to reinvent yourself and then you're finished. I've got one more to go. And I'm wondering how to be 60. It's scaring the shit out of me. Welcome to the How To Be 60 podcast, one and all. Karen McKenzie and I are in fine fettle because we have a strong smell of testosterone in our nostrils today. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Phil Vickery today, uh, yes. chef on this morning. Uh, Phil Victory, as he was known on Ready Steady Cook. Uh, right. So when you said we had Phil coming in, I thought, Christ, I know he hot about rugby. How old is he? Wrong one. What are you talking Did about? You Phil Vickery in rugby. Did you not There's know that? There's only one well, Phil Vickery. There is, absolutely. Now that I know that, because I thought, oh, Christ, we've got a rugby player coming on. Anyway, there we are. Much better. Phil the chef. Yes. Coming on. Which you will be much more happy about, yes. Oh, God, yes. Well, I don't know about... I don't know about... How do you say testosterone? It's not testes anyway. I don't know about testosterone, but my God, we've had a big dose of pheromones today. I mean, just to tell people, we sometimes have to sort of mix up the order of when we record and we put podcasts out just because Karen's got such a busy life. Yes. And who knows, Bonnie might need a walk at any moment. Um, but we actually have just spent the last hour speaking to Tracy Cox, um, mm. sex and relationships mm. expert. Um, that podcast is coming up next week. Uh-huh. Oh, but my lordy, that was an education. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually, I'm going off to buy one of our books. Can you recommend one? Have you read any of them? Well, I think we've got to go for Fabulous Sex Over 50, I think it's called, or right. Great Sex Starts at 50 or Just something like that. It's got now. to be that. Yeah, that's for um, my birthday list. But are you going to go home and ask Stephen about some of those things that she was talking about? The pegging is just no that is have you not put the washing up honest to god he won't have a flaming clue and I can't blame him because I hadn't got a scooby either <laughs> anyway Phil Victory is really old. looking forward it's alright Phil we're not going to ask you about we're not going to ask you about pegging Phil don't worry don't worry don't worry you want to ask him about cooking don't you yeah well, we've got a wee birthday cake that I want to ask about okay for a four year old oh it's for Bonnie nice. the dog Bonnie is for tomorrow, the 17th of November. So I've had a wee Google and I know it'll have to involve carrots and peanut butter. So I hope Phil doesn't mind if I ask him. You are, wind- you are winding me up. I absolutely am not. You are not going to make a birthday cake for the dog. Why not? Because the dog doesn't know it's her birthday. I know it's her birthday. <laughs> She's my special baby. Absolutely making a, a, a cake for Bonnie. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you not bake for your <sighs> beef? No, I know, and I don't buy her a Christmas present. And I mean, I love her very seriously, much. Seriously, would you be? Would you mean seriously, Kate? Yes, seriously, Karen. Slightly. She's a dog. She doesn't know it's Christmas. She doesn't know it's her birthday. Ah, so that's not the point. Oh my you could god! Say that about a one-year-old, a two-year-old, and a three-year-old, and you just wouldn't get them anything if they were your children. It doesn't matter. She's special to me, and. She's going to get a cake. Well, I have to say, when my kids were really young, I didn't get them a birthday present. God because they don't bloody know, do they? So you're they? doing it for... Okay. What? Okay, I don't know. There's some things about you that just don't sit right. 
quite a few things I would say actually. <laughs> Increasing by the week. Right. Oh no. But, but right, before Reddy started putting well, I, actually every guest we have on at some point in the introduction I say we're putting them off. So there's a bit of a theme going here. But I'm nervous about Phil because I think Phil is nervous because I saw him at the National Television Awards a few weeks ago and I was saying, please come on, please Phil. Um, and I could see that he was very apprehensive and I thought he's probably heard about you and your oat cakes. But um, could you always bang on about my I know you like my oat cakes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're not too bad. And um, so, listen. Uh-huh. How did have you had your audition yet for the drama club? Oh God, no. That's another thing. It's fifth um, of December, and uh, I had a look through these monologue books, and uh, they're all about sort of two and a half minutes, um, and that's quite a lot for with my blinking brain fog. <laughs> Oh, God, that's not happening. And then I realised that they're all American. And the ones, a couple that I saw that they were, like, for somebody based in the UK, they were non-Scottish. Um, I thought, Christ. So I phoned somebody and I said, see this, do you have to put on an American accent? And he said, well, yes. I thought, Christ. So what are they? What are the, what the, are the, the audition pieces? Uh, oh, somebody about, somebody about being an um, allergist's wife. I can't even remember what it's called. But um, I mean, it's the the best one that I oh, but and then I have to sort of now Google how to do a New York accent. Oh, it's just oh awesome. my god, you that's not going well, is it? I know it's not. It's it's bad enough that I've got to remember this whole thing, and then I've got to put it into a New York accent. Do you know? I can feel myself thinking this is too much hard work. I just work in the background. No, no, I want Backstage. you to. Do, I want you to do it. I really want you to do it. I think this could be a whole new career for you. You're going to be. Are you outing? Are you getting rid of me from here? No, you're going to be the new Dame Maggie Smith or the new Dot Cotton. <laughs> She's about ninety. In fact, are they still alive? <laughs> no, that's well. No, I think Dame Maggie Smith is, but Dot Cotton isn't. So that could be yeah. you. You well, could thanks. be the new thing. He's a wee fag. Can you say? Could I have a hamburger and cheese, please, with chips, with fries, in a New York accent? No. <laughs> and it's like no, you have to kind of like ah oh, the vowels now. Oh no, it's not good. It's not good. It's not good. I can't wait. This is December the fifth. <laughs> All right, okay, let's move on. And you're going to have to to do two and a half minutes, but you're well. Brain. I think they're only asking for a minute and a half, but I can't find one that's short enough. Right, that, that's the right. You know, that's actually words I would use. It's, you've got to, you've got to actually kind of like New York. You got to talk like that. Well, exactly. Yeah, All right. Actually, maybe that's I not could bad. go and do it with you. Yeah, um, yeah. We can, I have to go and listen to the box set of Sopranos. Yeah, you will. You will. I can't wait. Um, I'm ready for a hobby now, I have to say. Michelle Obama's got one. She's um, into knitting, apparently. Oh, did I know that? No, I was thinking of what's his face, the swimmer, the young lad. Yeah, Tom Daly. Yeah, also yeah. knitting's a new. Well, okay, get you. You could be knitting as well. No, it's not going to be not being knitting. Um, I've got something in mind, but I'm not ready to. For a hobby? Yes. Of course, you don't like the word hobby. So. No, no, but I'm ready for a hobby now. I'm ready for another interest. Christ, where are you going to squash that into your life? And But you know what I'm first ready for? I'm ready for stopping work at six o'clock at night. Because I was sitting last night, as I do every night, and it was like half past eight, nine o'clock, and I had lots to do, and I was tired, and I wanted to sit and watch the television, and I, I just had this list of things to do, and I thought, I've had enough of this. Really? Yeah, I've had enough of working from early in the morning till late at night. So- I want to finish my work at a reasonable time and have some free time. 
And whether I do a hobby or whether I sit and look at the wall or pick my nose, I don't care. Um, I genuinely now have had enough of working all hours. Seriously, I can't believe this. I know I have. So does that include like when you go out to, when you're asked to go and open something or speak at something, that includes that as well? Yeah, I want to ring fence some spare time for me. And honestly, it's a really big deal for me. Oh, you're not joking. And I have never done that. And I've got another thing to tell you. What? Look. Well, you won't be able to see. No, no, no. I've got hearing aids. Shit, really? Why are you saying shit, really? That is brilliant. Because for God knows, for ages you've gone gone on about your ears and your hearing and all the rest. But wow, can I have a look? Well, I have to take my headphones off. There they are. Can you see them? They're just behind my ear. Oh, my God. That's tiny. I know. They're absolutely fantastic. Do you know what? They've really changed... Um, Changed my life? Have they changed my life? Um, yeah, they have. They're brilliant. And all that thing about hearing aids, where you're getting old, people are embarrassed to get hearing aids. Um, you know, with all of the stuff that I had and why I resisted getting them because of just a negative connotation. I mean, I don't know. I don't know why I felt like that. They're absolutely brilliant. They're Bluetooth. I always had AirPods in anyway. Right. Bluetooth, I don't understand. Yeah. I know what Bluetooth is, but how does that work with a So they connect aid? with my phone. So I'm walking along the street, the phone rings, and it rings in the middle of my head. So no one else can hear it, but in the middle of my head, oh there's my ring, God. ring, ring, ring. Got a phone call, plonk my phone. I can chat away. People must think I'm right properly mad now because they can't even the, see the, AirPods. Even oh I get God. a text. I am, I am the future. I am totally connected to the digital world. I can listen to a podcast through them. Um, Bloody hell. Yeah. That's really impressive. So you got two obviously I've got two nobody can see them I can hear everything I can hear my own footsteps which I didn't realise but I haven't heard for God knows how long I can hear fabric rustling I can hear my hair rustling Wow, was it? Uh, um... It is fantastic. It now makes me think, actually, my mum and dad both had hearing aids, really good hearing aids that, of course, they wouldn't wear because they just didn't want to be associated with hearing aids. I bloody wish I'd kept them. I think they should now be given in people's will. That's like using somebody's false teeth. Like, no, it's it not. It is like using somebody's false it's teeth. It's not, because they're not in your mouth. It doesn't Just matter, they've been clean. in somebody's ears. I'm going to look through my mum and dad's stuff and see if oh, I can stop find it. the hearing aids. Stop it, be happy with when you put them on eBay. Get well, some money for them. Well, I might have them as a spare. Oh, stop it. If, honestly, think about it. If your elderly parents have passed away and they had very good quality hearing yeah, aids... Yeah, good quality. Yeah. Why would you not keep them and use them yourself? Because probably year on year, they'll be getting better and better and better and you won't want ones that are kind of 10 years old or five years older. Yes, I know, but that's different from your initial reaction, which was... Eh! I still don't. I think it's a bit grim. Do you? It puts sticking somebody's that's been in their ears into your ears. <laughs> oh God, yeah, it's bad enough if I get Stephen's earpods muddled up with mine. <laughs> no, I, I no, definitely not. I, I think more people should do. It. I wonder if Phil's got anything that stopped working. Um, well, we'll have to we'll have to ask him. Um, right, let's have some emails and then we will speak to Phil. Uh, this is from. Alison, she says, hi, Kane Karen, I'm about to turn 53. Um, and she absolutely loves the shows, which is lovely. She says, it's certainly changed my mind about a few things. She's had a tough year. Her husband was diagnosed with throat cancer at the start of the year. He then had six weeks of intense treatment over on the mainland because they live on the Isle of Wight, uh, followed by recovery, which was pretty tough for both of us on a personal level. Coping with my husband's diagnosis and treatment while going through the menopause has been a struggle. But this last month, after a tweak to my dosage, my anxiety and lack of confidence seem to be coming back, helped by my new exercise class, which could be my new hobby. 
burlesque chair dancing. Wow. Burlesque chair dancing. She says, I feel so much more confident in myself and certainly have a spring in my step. Although most of my girlfriends think I'm doing it to improve my sex life. This is definitely not the case. Um, She says, this year has opened up both of our eyes to a new way of life. Semi-retired, pick and choose what to do and when. Loving the life that we have here on this wonderful island. So there you go. She's had a roller coaster year. uh, year, But so lovely that it's kind of brought about a recalibration and she and her husband are, you know, enjoying life that she that she has. So I like that one. I'm still at the burlesque cheer dancing. Yes, I, I thought you would wonderful. be stuck at the burlesque cheer so that, dancing. That'd be quite a good sort of linking from Strictly, wouldn't it? You've learned a wee bit of the movement and now you're going to burlesque That's cheer right, dancing. that's right. So after this, I'm going to, to buy myself a bodice. Right. <laughs> wow. And I'm going to see if I can get one to match my hearing aids. <laughs> So I can hear the music. But this is good. We're bringing people together. Nikki loves the podcast. She's turned 62 years ago, which makes her 62. Yes, I'm good at math. Bought a motorhome, travelled with hubby to Scotland and around England. Now back in the Isle of Wight, where Alison lives. Nikki and Alison, I want you to get together on the Isle of Wight. She sold the camper van and she's whooping up on sun holidays. Still listening to you guys wherever I am. Well done. There you go. Um, so we're bringing people together. So yes. Nikki is going to meet Alison on the Isle of Wight and they're going to go to burlesque chair dancing lessons together. You're just, you're hoping that. I'm hoping that. They will do. Well, they will Nikki do. Nikki and Alison get in touch with each other. Isle of Wight, not a big place. I've never been to the Isle of Wight, have you? Uh, I have. It was lovely. Yes, I went with my friend Anne Davis a million years ago. It's really mm. lovely. Yeah. Is that the motor racing one or is it not? No. She's just a friend. No, no, I said is that the motor racing Turn your hearing aid up. The motor racing island, no? Uh, the Isle of Wight. No, that's Isle of Man. Isle of Man, sorry. Turn your brain up. <laughs> Thank you very much. Enough. And podcast at <laughs> htb60.com is our email address. Uh, oh, aye. And listen, keep your emails coming in, the questions for Kay, because I am not going to let her off the hook. We want uh, Kay, I think, has been a bit not reticent, reluctant to sort of give an awful lot away. You're very good at asking me things about myself, but honest to God, our listeners want to know more about you. So keep your emails coming. Questions for Kay, we need them. Mm, okay, I have. We have had a few in already because this was somebody who emailed in and wanted uh, that, and most of them are: Are you? Have you had Botox? Um, Is that right? Yeah, most of that's what the questions are, which I'm quite pleased about because it means that maybe they think that I have had Botox. Or maybe they're saying that I need Botox. Yeah, well, yeah. Actually, I must. Oh, I can't tell you this story. Um, I had lunch with a very famous person the other week, and uh, in a kind and gentle man or a woman, man in a kind and gentle way, they suggested to me that I do have Botox. Oh my God! Said you know it's important to sort of maintain your image and make sure that you're looking good if you're going to be on television, and maybe you should consider a little bit of Botox. This person was definitely a. I've got to get this right. Not heterosexual. What? what? Why is that relevant? I don't know, because I think gay men, Kay... Oh, this is careful. We're going to have to edit this out. We're definitely going to have to edit this out. I think they care more about their looks. That's a bit of a generalisation, I know that. It's time for Phil Vickery. Definitely Phil Vickery. Can can we do a clean edit on that, please? (laughs) Phil, why are you looking so gobsmacked? Looks like he's just going to fall off a chair. (laughs) I was once told that... Any type of surgery in that department was like cutting grass. You need to do it before it needs to be done. Oh, geez, that's too late then. Are you saying I'm too late, Phil? 
Let me finish. <laughs> in your case, in your case, you don't need it. Why do you need that rubbish put in your face? Honestly, why? You absolutely don't. Well, why? I mean, give me one good cake. Give me one good reason why. Well, no. let's be honest. The reason a lot of people do it is to try to look younger, and and that's a valid reason. No, I'm not saying it's valid, but well, that is the main reason. I can't think of any other reason. So you, you don't, don't need th- one. but you don't think that's a valid reason? No, I think you grow old gracefully. I'm in agreement with you. So, Absolutely. So your your kind of looks and the way that you present to the world it doesn't bother you at all as you get older. No, don't care. Not interested. Pressure's really? Off head, though, isn't it? Because what can I change? I can't change anything, can I? I can change. I might get a weave, all right, or a rug. That's fine. And how many people have wigs, right? When um, their wives or partners get up and say, "Oh, no one will notice." Of course they will. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Well, apart from that, or, or getting a bit of you know old stuff. Nah, there's no point. Well, you can no. get a hair transplant now. Would you? Yeah. So what? Why would I want to do that? Why? You, you've no, I love that confidence. Because yeah, that... all my friends would say to me, what have you done? Look at you, you're like moron. You know, so I saw <laughs> Boy George had one on, it's on whatever it is, the jungle one, and uh, I, I didn't know it until he said it, and I thought, yeah, right enough, right. But no, well, you certainly don't need one, and you certainly don't need anything on your fizzog. <laughs> well, but the thing is, it's how you feel about yourself. So you obviously have great confidence in your appearance, Phil. No, 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 absolutely not. No, I just, it's just not relevant to me. It doesn't, it doesn't, I don't get up thinking, look at the mirror, oh my God, you're old. I don't, it doesn't register with me. It doesn't. I just don't, I think everyone gets old and that's just the way, that's the cards you're dealt in life. You just got to get on with it. What's the point in changing it? Because once you do that, you've got to do more to keep up that bit. Mm-hmm. It's a never ending, it's an ever decreasing circle, isn't it? You just can't do anything. It is, but I have to say, you look very fit and lean, Phil. So I suspect Not you do. Right now. <laughs> no, 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 you do. You do. You, you, you clearly take care of yourself. I, I'm careful what I eat, certainly. Mm-hmm. Now, my, my deceased brother was a doctor, so he'd always beat me up about bits and pieces. So I am careful. And I think as a chef on television, especially these days, uh, you have a duty of care to give the right information. And I won't mention it. It was a very, very famous chef who all he eats is Mars bars, Coca-Cola. And oh. and that's it. And he wondered why he's got a weight problem. So, you you know, I, I am careful what I eat. I still drink. Oh, I love it. I go to the pub every night. I love it. My doctor said to me, do you drink, Phil? Of course I do. I'm not going to lie to you. And I go every night and I've got the pints of beer, I see my mates. But... I'm careful and I, and I walk my dogs every day for an hour. And it's interesting what you said about working at nights. I do not work now after one o'clock in the afternoon if I, unless I have to. Really? Oh, that's I, early. I, lunch. I get up early. I start because I'm a part-time farmer, so I get up early. Normally five, half past five. I've done my jobs by one o'clock. I have lunch, and then I think, no, I'm going to do what I'm going to do this afternoon. I've done it for two years now, especially after lockdown. I walk my dogs. I do a bit of fun. I do what I want to do. There's always something to do. Got a pub at early evening, I've cut the pints, come back and nice dinner and a bit early, you know. And so what prompted that decision? That that's interesting. Because funny, I just had that revelation or epiphany, as I love to call it, last night as I was sitting <laughs> at my computer. I thought, what am I doing? What am I doing sitting at half past eight at night looking at this computer? So what was your moment that you thought this I'm gonna do things different? I just suddenly thought and this came back of back of lockdown and uh and a few other things had gone on, and I just suddenly thought well, what it made me realise was how much money you don't need to have to have a nice life. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. And I suddenly thought, I'm 61 now. Um, my, as I say, my brother died last year, which is a big shock for me. Um, and I just suddenly, and my parents are still alive, thank goodness, and we had lunch together. I just suddenly thought, no, come on, there's more to life than working. And I was talking to a very famous person. I'm not going to mention their name. And we had this conversation about something that happened. And this person said to me, I said, look, get out, do something else. You know, you've got everything you ever wanted. And that person said to me, I can't because it's my whole life. And I said, no, it's not. No, it's not. Yeah. And it's not. It's walking my dogs. It's, okay, what's different? I see my kids. Great. I just, it's just not, it's almost like that point where I hate the word retirement because I will never retire because I always do something. But it's just thinking, I don't need to do that, Kay, anymore. I don't. I don't need to do that. I still work hard. I'm cooking on a cruise next week. It's great. We have a good laugh. But I want time for me. I want time for me. See, I sometimes wonder if that's actually a more difficult um, decision for men to make because often their sense of self-worth is tied up in their job and is tied up in their status. I mean, you've obviously got the extra complication of having a a level of profile um, and I don't know whoever it was you were talking to, your famous person, but often that's not wanting to let go of the fame. So that's an added thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah. It is. However, there comes a point, certainly with me, where I just suddenly thought, what else can I do? What else is there to do? Why am I chasing this dream? You know, this goal? You know, I use this morning as an argument. You know, I've done that 22 years. Fantastic. One day that'll stop. And mm-hmm. I'll shake their hand and say, thank you very much. You know, it's been brilliant. I wouldn't moan about it. I'll just think, well, life, life moves on. And Warren Buffett, he had a great quote, a few great quotes. And one of them was, he said... In your professional life, you need to reinvent yourself three times. Otherwise, you get swallowed up by younger member of staff. You get a bit more cantankerous and miserable during the hours or the life changes. And you've got three times in your life to reinvent yourself and then you're finished. I've got one more to go. I've done two. I've got one more to go. And I look at it that way. And I just see life as an opportunity of doing things that you want to do. It's interesting you mentioned about your new hobby or project or what you're going to do. Far less chair dancing, Phil. <laughs> I'll be selling tickets. Yeah. <laughs> right? If that's, if that's great, it's fantastic. Then but even, you see, even you're thinking, I've got this really good thing I'm going to do. So you can do it. But once you're in that treadmill, it's very difficult to get off it. Very. If you're all used to a certain lifestyle, a certain amount of income, whatever. Mm-hmm. But people tend to forget how much they've actually got that they'll probably... Be happy the rest of their life. They want more and more and more. And I'm not like that. It doesn't bother me. And I think if you knew how long you were going to live, (laughs) that's fine. You could think, right, well, okay, I'll give it another few years, another three years, and then I'll kind of... um, yeah. start to kind of wind down then but actually we don't and then That's sadly at this time of life oh my god more and more of your friends are kind of like you know we're reading obituaries and whatnot and I'm not being yeah. kind of but it's actually true it, it's it's horrible so yeah we don't know when what's around the corner but on that point my father retired at 57 he had one job for life and he uh, did very well and 57 58 he's now 88 and his goal now is to be retired longer than he's at work just to get the pension of the company yeah. and that is and that's always in my head god he, he and he did he was a very very active man he's a fantastic model road engineer he was in st john's ambulance he did all sorts. they went around the world my mum and him honestly thought god that, that's what it was 
Okay, he had his final salary pension, which yeah. doesn't happen these days pretty much. Look, that's all dying out. But I suddenly thought, God, they got it right. As soon as he could, his 40 years, he was out. Mm. And he's never, he's, I never see him watching the telly, even at 88. He's creosoting his shed. He's cutting logs. He's, you know, <laughs> he doesn't stop. Mm. And I think that's, I really genuinely believe that's what keeps people alive, mm. having something to do. I think people are frightened to stop. That's because they have this wonderful routine. I've got a very good friend of mine. She runs a, v- a very successful business, very successful, and she's my age. And uh, I bought her a bottle of Kruger on her 50th first day. They are so we're really good friends. And I said to her, you know, you're too good for this company. You do something else. And she said, well, I've got to 50 now, pays the school fees for the kids. It's great. I have a nice life. That's a bit, you're wasting your life. You're too good. She went, perhaps I am, but we never know. It's nice. And I don't know, one of my friends who, in that Warren Buffett scenario, that's lost their job from being too old or too expensive or ill health and started on their own. I don't know, one of my friends who have said, oh, I should have stayed on that. They've all said, I should have done it earlier. I should have done it earlier. And that rings in my head. So, I mean... <clears throat> Did the was the loss of your brother was that instrumental in that change? It was part of it. It was part of it. Um, it's just another cog on that wheel of oh, really do I need to scrap this time of my life? You know, it's about four or five things that happened. And you just think, oh. but lockdown made me sit at home like you and work and whatever. And you just suddenly think, why, why am I doing this? Why? Why am I doing it? What, what, what am I achieving? Nothing. So my daughter lives in Cornwall. Uh, my plan now is to go and see it at least once a month. I don't care if I'm working. I'll drive down there. I'll drive back. And that's just, I quite like it. But you get this guilt feeling of, oh, I should be working today. So, well, no, why should I? Don't have to work. You know, you don't need to work. Go and enjoy yourself. And so that's that was part of it. Lockdown obviously was quite severe for everybody. And bear in mind, I lost probably half my business overnight, like we all did. Yeah. So it, it just makes you just think, wow. And I remember the recession in the 90s. Now that that hit me really hard. Mm. Now, I thought house for ten years it, it was in negative equity. You know, <laughs> the, the interest rates are sixteen percent, but we get through it. But that it just gives you that bit more of a. I, I tell you something else. When I came out of full time cooking, when I was forty one years of age. One Christmas day, we done five hundred for lunch. Okay, I've been there ten years. Mm. I'm up covering crap. I came up, get the kitchen. So the head waiter said, "Phil, we got this guy. He's not very happy. Can you come and see him?" I said, "Okay." We're up to the restaurant. Packed restaurant. It's a quarter to five on Christmas Day. I was covered in shit, right? He stood up and he did this. He went, we are 10 effing vegetarians. Bear in mind, this is 25 years ago. Mm. So that's when it wasn't seen as cool. There's no effing menu. And I said, sir, please don't swear. It's Christmas Day. I'll swear if I want to swear. I said, okay, no problem. And I said to him, "Um, if you'd have let me know, no didn't even come out the mouth. I should need to let you effing know. So I literally said, no problem, walked downstairs, I took my apron off, my sous chef Mike at the time said, Mike, I'm going home, I'm done with this crap, I'm done with it, he said, I'll finish it off your boss. That was a defining moment when I thought, no, I'm not doing this anymore, yeah. not doing it. So there has been normally 10 year cycles where I think, do you know what, I'm not doing this shit anymore, and that's it, that's another, that's another part of it. So what is then your, well, I say final reinvention. I'm, I'm not putting that on it. You said your final reinvention. <laughs> Three. Three. I, I your third. Never, I've never planned anything in my life, so I haven't got a clue. Right. I haven't got, but there is one. The one coming. I'm a farmer now. You know, I do a lot of farming. I've done that for 12 years. I love it. it. Gives me more enjoyment than cooking ever did. 
Oh, really? Because I'm, out, I'm outside in the fresh air all day long, covered in shit. That's fine. That's part of farming. 24-7. Christmas Day, Boxing Day. Been down the house, make the animals real okay. Love it. I quite like that idea as well. So you are just open now for the th- the third act, yeah? Yeah, well, I'm not quite sure what it is. Um, people say when you get to my age, oh, you know, it's do a lot of charity work. Well, we, I've done that in my life, you know, just don't talk about it. But now there's something, something there. I don't know what that is. I haven't got a clue what that is. My brother, Chris, who died, he was, um, he worked for Save the Children. He was a, a tropical medicine doctor. But he worked for governments around the world. I didn't really know what he did. He was a bit secretive. And he was always, he used to inspire me. I mean, he was just, wow. Even when he was completely blind drunk, he would never tell me what he did, ever. <laughs> so I don't know what he did. But it's that mysterious stuff. I love travelling. Love, love, so when this morning say to me, do you want to go make a film on allotments? Or, you know, or, I know I've been to something like 40 countries or states with this morning cooking. It's been brilliant. Mm. The highest point on earth, pretty much the lowest point on earth. In the Andes, but, so I don't. I don't know. Is the answer clear? I can't tell you. But it is not going to be about necessarily the pursuit of money or status no. or no. profile. No, I'm not interested. So, so what? What? What are the the needs that you want fulfilled? You don't know what it is, but what are you? <clears throat> what are you looking for? I need for? a purpose. I need a purpose to get out of bed. Right. So a lot of people retire at my age and just go and drink alcohol and live in Malaga and get drunk all the time and die of cirrhosis. You know, that's not really me. Um, I I need a purpose to get up and do stuff. And that could be fixing my tractors. It can be, I don't know, painting my barns. It can be anything. There's always something to do. Um, but what I won't do is eat crap food. You know, I made that decision also in lockdown. Don't care what food costs. I'm going to buy it and eat it because, you know, that's the basis of life. But I just... I don't know. I, I need to be busy. I love writing. So on this cruise next week, I'm going to write up all the notes from my Orkney trip, my Grenadian trip, and then I'll put it on my website. I'll do that. But I have to be in the mood for that. I can't just sit down and do it. But I'm always constantly, on this morning, for instance, um, new recipes, keeping up with trends, that sort of stuff. I read a lot of books, read a lot of articles on food, history of food, that sort of stuff. So I don't, I don't, celebrity, and I use that word very carefully, it's never really been my thing. I've always felt a little bit uncomfortable with it because bear in mind, when I did telly, gosh, uh, I was 34, I think I first started in telly with Keith Lloyd, love him. Um, you got on television from being good at something, not because you were in a situation or in something or, or whatever. And that's always stayed with me because I felt you were good. That's my job. I'm not trying to be, I don't know, a philosopher or anything. I'm just I'm just a cook. Mm-hmm. My autobiography is going to be called I'm Just a Cook, <laughs> which I am. But, but so I've, I've never really worried about that side of things, never. It doesn't really bother me. And you alluded to the National Telly Awards. I hate them. <laughs> well, I thought you were just nervous about the podcast, but I could see you weren't particularly <laughs> having a great time, I have to no, say. No, I was chatting to Ed Bowles. I mean, I know a lot of people. I just feel... I just feel slightly uncomfortable with that stuff. I, I, I've always, always have done. So if you watch, I'm always at the back. You never see me talking. I just blend into the background. I, I don't. I was, I was looking at your Instagram yesterday, and funny enough, I was going to say that to you. You've got on it just to cook. That's um, <laughs> true. So I do. I only yeah. cook. Rather than that sort of celebrity thing. Um, well, I'm not a celebrity, Kay. I'm not. I just happened to be a guy that cooks on telly. Celebrity in my eyes, when I was growing up, was... Elton John, it was the, the you know, Mick Jagger, it was Princess Diana, it was one of them, not, not a cook, not a cook. I yeah. guess if you're on television regularly, 
I mean, that's... Yeah. It make you a celebrity. Then... It makes you well-known, not necessarily a celebrity. But I guess the thing is, why I think is that it's whether you want... You don't want that celebrity. Whether you have it or not right now, you know... Who, who can judge but it's not something that you value whereas for some other people it is something they value and they pursue but you're saying it doesn't float no, your boat no. no and I think that there's two angles to that one is financial and the other is ego and I think you know if you're you have to make a living that's fantastic so for instance any contract I sign now but what well, commercial contract we're doing I have to do social media. I have to do this. They put it in there. You have to do 10 tweets. You have to do Instagram posts. You have to do bloody TikTok. I don't even know how to get onto TikTok. You know, <laughs> yeah, I, right. I say to people, some days I'm so busy. I haven't got time to go to the toilet. And that will sit down and do bloody Instagram all night. You know? <laughs> That's a full-time job. And I understand that. And perhaps I should do more. My agent would phone me up and say, do you want to do this program? I said, no, I don't want to do that. No. Mm-hmm. No, but I did one yesterday which is Ainsley Harriet's Christmas food programme, me and him, Christmas Day, for the King's Speech, talking about food. Fantastic. Right up my street. But to go and go and roll things down a screen or tip stuff out of a fruit machine, it's not really my scene. So you could see yourself stepping in your third act, uh, stepping out of this kind of world altogether and finding oh, something else. Yes. When this morning stops for me, oh, that'd, be, that'd be gone. I should go completely. I won't, be like, I won't be like Terry Wogan whinging about kicking me out after 25 years. He'd be like, no, it's just the way it is. That's what happens, Terry. Lee Floyd told me great, three great bits of advice, Kay. He said, one was the hardest thing to be on television is yourself. The second one was, once you start to think it's the real world, you're in trouble. And the other one was, you don't get the second telly. They just don't phone you up anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is wrong with me. And I, I read his autobiography, it's up here. It's a, it's a great line where he said, at this height in the early 90s or late 80s, I was flying to Australia. I was earning a million pounds a year. And I was flying to Australia to um, uh, do a cookery show and, and live telly and blah, blah, blah. And he said, as I landed, my agent said to me, oh, there's, um, there's a, a Japanese company here making a new thing called a pink prawn, which is made from all sort of rubbish out the sea, pureed up, shaped into a prawn and dyed pink. And he said, and they want you to promote it for a year. And it's like 250,000 quid or something. He went, oh, Tom, fuck off, he said. I'm a real chest, right? He's on the page, but it says, but as I sit here now on my third divorce, just about to lose my house in France, I wish to fuck I'd taken the money. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, those sort of stories just ring with me all the time. And it's, you know, it, we're here for such a short amount of time. And I love, don't get me wrong, I like having a laugh, but... No, it's just, it's, you know that, it's just not me, you know what So, well, that's the professional side. What about the personal side? Because well, you... Well, talk about <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, you are now footloose and fancy free. How does that feel? Um, I actually love it, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I love it, yeah, it's great. I'm, uh, it's life deals you set of cards and that's the way it is and you've got to dust yourself off and get on with it. You know, you'll never hear me talk about it. I never, I won't moan about it. I won't whinge about it. I'll just get on with it. Get on with life. Just the way it is. Happens to everybody. So, you know. But looking forward then, and I'm not asking you to look back, looking forward mm-hmm. at 61 or whatever, um, mm-hmm. do you think you're happy on your own? Do you completely. feel... Completely. Completely. Now, I got to the age of 30, I think it was 30, 39, and I'd been divorced first time. Um uh, for about uh, about eight years, at that point, seven years, I think it was, I was on my own. And I, I got to the age where I thought, well, do you know what, I'm not going to meet anyone, I'm not having any kids. And I was quite happy with that. I thought, well, that's just the way life is. 
and that changed and it's, it's no different now i just think fantastic you know if it i'm just happy on my own really am doesn't make no t- I, honestly people say i don't believe you and i'm like that's it my daughter meant to come for christmas she can't come so great i'll see you when i see you you know got lots to do doesn't honestly doesn't bother me i had a very good friend of mine called derek he died ooh, 10 years ago now. a very good close friend of mine old chap and he never got married or had children he said to me do you know what i'm alone but i'm not lonely and they're very different things mm. yeah it's fine it's absolutely fine you enjoy your own company you're quite yeah. happy in your own company no problem i'm completely selfish well, that's, you know. <laughs> I buy top wines. I buy all the best food. Damn right, I do. And listen, what about uh, cooking? Because you're just cooking for one now. How is that? Yeah, is that very it's, different? It's, it's even easier because I can have what I want when I want. I can just cook whatever I want. I buy top quality stuff, you know. I'm A lot of people up. do <clears throat> worry, well, worry about getting <clears throat> older on their own. <clears throat> do you, you don't, you're not concerned <clears throat> about that? Uh, no, I had this conversation with my daughter the other day, and she said, Dad, as long as you keep me in the world, I'll, I'll look after you. <laughs> <laughs> so we, had, we had a bit of a chat about that. But um, it has crossed my mind, but um, well, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. I'm not, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to think, you know, I'm not going to be in a relationship with someone. Like I've got friends of mine in relationships who are deeply unhappy, who are pulling up with all sorts of rubbish just because I don't have a room. And that's that's not a life. It's not a life. You've got to, you know, I said to him, get out and do something else. Well, I don't, you know, it's like, no, you know. And, and nine times out of ten, those people are worried about being on their own when they get older. But you can't live your life like that because you're going to get old. Cross that bridge when it happens, you know. I might be at home somewhere. Okay, as long as I can get to a cost of coffee in a pub, I won't care. So the ageing process doesn't worry you on any level. It doesn't worry you about your changing looks. It doesn't worry you about being on your own. It doesn't worry you about losing status, nothing. No, the only thing that worries me slightly is, is health. That, that worries me slightly, that you get an, an incurable illness and you're on your own, yeah. But then, you know, you, I might not. So you just got to try and cope with that when it comes along. I'm very philosophical about that for instance in lockdown couldn't get a dentist so I pulled my own teeth out I'm quite happy oh doing that oh my god you did, did not. not that's you a firm in you I'll go show you this one here wisdom tooth Jesus how, how did you what did you use a pliers well, took about, yeah a pair of pliers but it took three nights of, oh and a bottle of whiskey no no just every night I just worked a bit further and it came out in the end and I did this one but it cracked so I went to the dentist but it was locked down Jeez. she said to me what have you been doing? I said, well, she said, we don't need me. That's healed up fine. I said, this one needs sorting. She went, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> you're not concerned it might get infected. Well, it goes, it, well I was going to go in A&E then at that point, if it was. But it's, oh, it's, for it's, God's sake. So, you know, you just got to cope with things as they come along. Are you happier, Phil, on your own? Am I happy? Are you happier? Um, no. <laughs> Should we go down that road or not? Um, Uh, I don't have to answer that. It's no, I can't really answer that. Is that right? I just need to leave that. Just leave that where it is. But it's why I'm very happy. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, I guess, yeah, I, I, it's okay. I, I can understand why you're, you're cautious about that, Phil. It's it's all right. I suppose it's just some people are uh, 
always happier in a relationship, whatever that relationship is. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and some people, you know, are perfectly content to be. For some people, being on their own is an absolute horror, you know, mm. and they would rather be in a in a bad relationship than be on their own. And I mean, God knows at our age, there's a whole load of people in that situation, yes. aren't there? Yeah, absolutely. I would say 60 percent, 80 percent of my friends are in that respect. They, they just bring up me crap. I wonder whether they'll look at you now and reevaluate. Well, it's, it's a very good point, actually. I went, I went up to I'll leave some friends of mine, four, four, so three male friends. We, we, we go all over. Actually, we're in Scotland. And uh, I said to him, Well, you've probably got two years. Your wife's gonna, when you get this big deal, your wife's going to go. And you, mate, you're never going to get married. This one never got married. This one, wife's gone. This one's going to cost him four million. <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> And it was just like, oh my god! You know, they they look at me thinking it looks really happy, but it's not necessarily for everybody. No, I'm very happy, but a lot of people don't or can't, like you say, can't cope with it. And they look at me and think, actually, it's not too bad, is it? Mm. You know, but every situation is different. So mm. you know, it, maybe not for them. It's, it's a fear of the unknown. Isn't it's it? a huge, mm-hmm. it's a huge deal to end a relationship, you know, <clears throat> in your mature in years. Later, yeah. I mean, it just is, and I mean that that's the same for, for everybody. If you've got kids together, I mean, it's terrible, isn't it? Because it's all supposed to be about love. But if you've got kids together, if you've got a house together, if you've just, you know, your lives have entwined over a period of time. Um, it's a hassle to split up. It sounds terrible. Yeah, you're right. A, I mean, I don't know. Is it easier for women than men? I don't know. You, I can ask. I don't know. If, I don't know the situations, but I wouldn't want to know. But why would it be easier for women? I think it. No, I'm asking that question. Is it? I don't say. Well, I don't know. Would yeah. it? I, I would think it'd be actually easier for men. I don't know why. I think a lot of people stay together for financial reasons. Yeah. They actually can't afford to, to... i got a friend of mine who said to me, I'm not living in a Pokemon bedroom flat. Well, that's exactly that's it. You're, you're used to this lifestyle and you're, yeah, and you don't yeah. want to give it up. You'd rather be blanket miserable. I it's would hard. generally think it was easier for men. I mean, this is huge generalising on mm. the fact that usually men have the financial power in a relationship. That's not the case in every relationship. But also there is this thing about an older guy is still the silver fox. Uh-huh. You know, he's still uh-huh. out there and he's going to go and get a younger girl. And, you yeah, know, right. I mean, these are old tropes, but they're still out there. Whereas the older woman... Uh, late 50s, early 60s, who's going to want somebody that age, which I think a lot of women carry with them. And maybe that's why they're even more reluctant to end a relationship at that stage. Yeah. That's what I and I've got certain friends of mine who, um, who, males essentially, who just could not be on their own. They couldn't mm-hmm. be on their own. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I just can't, can't, can't be man. Can't cook. Can't cook. Like, yeah, exactly. And what's that great saying in life? Um, I have a stat somewhere. It said ninety percent. It might be ninety-one percent of men who have affairs never leave their wives anyway. You know, because it all sounds really good. Not, certainly, I know people, and it's like really, you know, and they because they don't like the comfort, obviously, but don't do it. Yeah, but can't make that break. Whether it's as you say, account for financial or whatever, uh-huh. but you know, there's various reasons why. But you just strike me as a very self-sufficient person, Phil. Uh-huh. Uh, is that right? Sufficient, possibly. Um, I'm very black and white. I'm very 
my friend said to me, you're very blunt, Phil. I said, no, I'm not. I just don't do crap. Mm-hmm. You know, when people send me emails, it was like two pages. I do bullet points, five or six, that's the point. I, it's very black and white for me. It's either, you know, get on with your life. Dash yourself off, stop moaning. Get on with it. Something else will happen. Don't dwell on things. If you start dwelling on things, it just becomes, again, like an ever-decreasing circle. You never get out of it. It's like a spiral. Whereas you just got to get on with it. Be positive. I'm, don't get me wrong. I have days where I think, oh, God, but we'll have that. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it is. I'm very, um, yeah, I suppose sufficient, yeah, I suppose the right word. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I, I'm quite um, happy in my own skin. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't worry about things like that. No, mm-hmm. no, you just can't. You just can't. How old's your daughter now? Uh, Twenty-one. Many, yeah. many, many. Yeah, it's something quite nice about going out for lunch with daughter. I went to the Groucho Club the other day. <laughs> and we had a bottle of wine and she had some Negronis, and my brother's kids turned up. It was fantastic. It was three hundred and fifty quid, but <laughs> there's something magical about having a few drinks with your daughter. Like, come on, come on, Dad. It's it's brilliant. I loved it. Yeah. Are you the same guy you were at 30? No, definitely not. How are you different? Um, uh, I I, I didn't have grey hair at that point. Um, (laughs) It was going grey. I trusted too many people at that age. And I I read an article about Jamie Oliver once who, I think he said something in the region of, well, you know, I trusted too many people in my business and they did me over, basically. Uh, I trusted too many people. Uh, I just thought they were really nice people. But they weren't. They just wanted you for different reasons. I mean, for, I mean, in business. I don't mean. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a lot tougher now. A lot tougher. I had a big court case to go through, which I did, and that toughened me right up. You know, a year to go to court, and, and you do your bits and pieces, and you know, that made me very strong mm. and very untrusting, uh, and very black and white, very black and white. But. Um, Certainly not. Um, I'd like to think I've still got the same sort of sense of humour and a laugh and a joke. Because even in death, I'll always see the, the you know, the light of it. I mean, even my brother, when he died, we um, the last conversation we had on email, we didn't talk for the past couple of years, and uh, I said this to his kids the other day. Um, he's emailed at Christmas, and I went, oh, mum and dad up really well. Went, okay. He went, oh, so you do want to see effing emails. So I went, well, if you weren't such a prick, I might do it a little bit more. <laughs> you know, that sort of banter. And that's the last thing you ever said to each other. It's right. I was just thinking you were you were saying that, you know, with experiences in life, you've kind of toughened up because you've experienced, um, you know, challenges. And I think most people, as they get older, would say uh, the same thing. It's getting the balance right, isn't it, of wising up and not being taken advantage of and and not becoming kind of a bit bitter, mm-hmm. you know, and that can sometimes be a really fine line, isn't it? Because when you've got a few battle scars, stuff have happened in life, um, a lot of people our age do get a bit, bitter's not a very nice word, but sour. Cynical. Yeah. Cynical, yeah, good word. Yeah, cynical. And I think also, um, someone said to me, Phil, you're very good at just dealing with things. For instance, you know, I said, if you do, if in business, if you do me over, you owe me three, you owe me 35 grand in the business and you don't pay it and you go bust, we'll never talk again. Never. I'm quite, I'm quite happy with that. It's, I can be very blunt. But I'll never speak to you again. So that's like a safety mechanism for me. So if people do me over or we don't get on, that's fine. I don't get angry. We don't get bitter. We'll just never talk again. Simple as that. 
to, to, to hang on to that stuff and to regurgitate it all the time. It doesn't, it doesn't prove, doesn't do any good. Just makes, it just creates this sort of, I call it a swamp, a swamp of misery. There's no, you can't have that. You've got to keep moving. Wasted energy, yeah. yeah. But that yeah. is quite a talent to be able to, to put away. that to one side. Mm-hmm. Do you think so? Do you really think so? Yeah. Well, a talent, is that the right word? But I mean, I think mm-hmm. it is um, certainly to your advantage that you can do that. I mean, sure. I, I am just of a mindset that I swim in stuff and I find it very difficult to mm-hmm. put something to one side. Mm. Uh, so yeah. I would never have thought that of you. Never. Yeah. I thought I thought you'd be tough as old boots. Oh, she is. <laughs> no, I'm not actually. I'm the exact opposite. I, I mean, I really, yeah, think, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I thought you'd be absolutely ruthless. No, I don't, well, I don't know if anyone is doing it. No, I'm not. I'm a bit... That's a compliment, by the way. Well, no, no. I think it's interesting. No, I'm actually quite a sensitive little flower and things bother me and they eat away at me and I worry about them and, you know... I've never thought... I've no, never thought... God, I... Hard exterior, soft inside. Exactly. Well, there you go. I have been uh, conning people all these years really, really effectively. Well, I guess it is the difference between the professional and the personal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, it, but like, it's interesting you say about being 30. I, I think in my life, certainly 10-year cycles, I've completely changed my view on life. Not necessarily me, but certainly 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. Absolutely. Uh, and big changes have happened in my life at those times. So it's it's just, you know, it's, it's like, you, like you've already said, I mean, I, I find it quite easy to deal with that sort of thing. Um. But occasionally, you have to have a talk to yourself and say, "Stop it! Mm. Stop, stop! Come on, stop moaning! Stop get on with it! Look, you've got stop moaning! Stop it!" Do you think no, you're changing? Do you think you're changing for the better? Who, sorry, sorry. Oh, no. No, I was going to say, um, I've got very good friends of mine who would just rip me to pieces and say, "We would tell me blunt, shut your mouth, stop moaning." Look what you did, my brother, my younger brother. Uh, and so you, you, it's very interesting. Because I didn't do telly or became, I hate this word, famous. And so I was my mid-30s. So I'd, I'd done a apprenticeship and cooked around the world. And so I've got those core offence I still have. Yeah. They would just absolutely eat me alive if I started to change. So would you say you are happy with your lot yes. right now? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, that is a great position to be in, isn't it? Uh, now, that might change tomorrow. <laughs> I'm sure there's a gap in the market for dog cakes. <laughs> we had dog cakes. Right. You're yeah, going to have on. to help with dog cakes. Go on, go on So, I, I mean, I'm thinking grated carrot and peanut butter, an egg. What else do I need? Uh, a vet. A vet. <laughs> <laughs> you should have diarrhoea all over the place. Well, can we play a quick game of Big Six O Bingo? We've got a whole load of random questions. We'll just ask you two. Uh, just okay. whatever number comes up. Number 29. <clears throat> Choose two weeks of heaven. One week One week of my mates in Orkney Islands. <laughs> right. We'll leave, we'll leave it there. Another week would be... Probably somewhere like south of France, early summer. Love Just where there was not too hot. Nice, Saint-Tropez, someone that's having some nice food and walking on the beach. Perfect. 31, do you have youth envy? No. You wouldn't go back? No, because 
I've had so much crap since then. I think, oh, that's all going to be coming. <laughs> so no, no, absolutely not. No, no. I've done all right. Done all right. Listen, Phil, thank you so much. Absolute pleasure. Yeah, it's been you. really nice speaking to you. Thank you. And you, and you. And uh, yeah, you've got to be positive in life. Yeah, absolutely. What, let's have this conversation when we're both 70. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> let's hope we get there. I know, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Thanks, but thanks, both of you. I enjoyed it. Thank All you. Right. Cheers. Thanks, Bye. 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 I wonder if Phil is right that lots of people carry on in relationships because it's familiar rather than because it's what they want. Love to get your thoughts on that. Podcast at htb60.com is the email address. Next week, brace yourself, Sheila. It's sex and relationship expert Tracy Cox answering your questions from loss of libido to pornography to erectile dysfunction. I recommend that you're sitting down with a cup of tea and a ginger nut for that one.